millions of Christians face intense persecution and risk their lives for the sake of the gospel. Vom Oz Radio supports persecuted Christians, giving a voice to the testimony of those who have been denied a voice. Our programs inform and encourage Christians in Australia and around the world to mobilize and to stand with our persecuted brothers and sisters in Christ. Welcome to Vom Oz Radio, voice for the persecuted. We find ourselves in turbulent and uncertain times, and challenging times often create many positives for those who seek to spread the gospel. People in desperate situations are questioning the regimes that govern them and are searching for true freedom and peace. Let's join Voice of the Martyrs CEO Tony Benjamin as he talks to Neil Johnson on Vision Radio on this issue, particularly in relation to Iran and North Korea. Tony Benjamin is the CEO of Voice of the Martyrs, who have been engaged with smuggling Bibles into Iran and discipling Iranians, equipping them for effective Christian ministry, and with an active ministry also to North Koreans. And Tony Benjamin is joining us. Tony, a special welcome along to 2020. Thank you for having me. It's always great to be with you, Neil. Thank you. Tony, when we made a plan to have a conversation today, we were not seeing the tremendous impact of coronavirus, uh, but one of those nations, of course, that has been right front and centre among the top three in the world where coronavirus has spread has been the nation of Iran. I wonder whether you've got any insights from your intelligence on the ground as to how things are proceeding uh, in Iran so far as that uh, coronavirus. What are your thoughts here? Well, Neil, as far as we are aware, the situation is pretty chaotic. And as you can imagine, um, under normal circumstances, Christians and Muslim converts to Christianity get the worst possible treatment in places like Iran. So with the coronavirus, treatment for anybody that's affected would be even less likely. So it's challenging times, certainly, and I like your intro on turbulent times because it certainly is turbulent times for the nation of Iran, particularly Christians living there. And interestingly, from what I'm aware of, in nations that do discriminate against Christians, and if you're moving into a situation where you need some desperate medical treatment, uh, oftentimes uh, in nations where there's an Islamic regime, Christians are treated as second-class citizens and pushed to the back of the line. Uh, is that the sort of thing that typically happens in healthcare? And I suppose the same sorts of things would happen with coronavirus. That's that's absolutely correct. Um, and that is why many of the initiatives that we do have into countries like that support those types of needs that people have got. And a lot of them are basic, basic sustainability needs. Um, and that's happening all over the place, including places like North Korea and China and so on and so on. But let me just add a different spin to this conversation for all of what's happening in places like Iran at the moment, we are not getting a lot of, or we're not getting many at all, of the complaints of people that are lacking basic needs. What we are getting are the reports of victory in Christ, where people are questioning now why this is happening and where to turn to for help. And it's... Um, such an amazing opportunity that the Christians they are using to share the gospel 
with the doubters that they have there at the moment in places like Iran. Okay, let's talk about the church in Iran as we get into our conversation today because when we hear these sorts of reports, fastest growing church in the world, you've got an oppressive Islamic regime, people are seeing through all the holes in that and they're interested in what might be true, what might be real, what might be substantial and they're seeing Christianity in there. Uh, give us some insights that you might have, Tony, so far as the growth of the church in Iran. What's happening is Voice of the Martyr supports a number of um, Muslim converts to Christianity but also Christians that are in countries surrounding Iran. And with a lot of them, for example, like in Turkey, uh, people in Iran can travel out for three months and, you know, sort of travel visa-free and go back to Iran. This is what a lot of the Iranians are doing that have left. They, they um living in countries like Turkey and, and so on, and they're getting discipleship training and they're getting equipped, and they're actually going back into Iran and sharing the gospel. There's a lot of that going on. Besides that, there's also a lot of resources being pumped into Iran, um, physical resources like Bibles, and there's all types of things happening. The Internet is still active in patches over there, and people are drawing on that to get a lot of information from the outside world into messages, into God's Word, into being able to access the Bible, and so on and so on. So there's quite a, a revolution, if I can use a word like that, happening there where the disillusionment with Islam is at such a level. People are actively looking for options and they're looking to Christianity to give them those options. Uh, interesting to use the word revolution. I imagine uh, that if we were defining that a little more closely, we might say a spiritual revolution that we're hearing reports of taking place uh, because revolution is not something that's uh, that's unheard of in Iran. Of course, uh, revolutions have overthrown uh, regimes before insofar as the Shah back in the late 1970s uh, overthrown by the Revolutionary Guard in fact the word revolutionary uh, a part of what happens in the way that you talk about the security forces in Iran today so to talk about a spiritual revolution that's really quite an accurate terminology here very much so yes and you know what we're finding is we're finding a lot of people in Iran asking us for help now, reaching out to ask, asking us for help. And I'm sure that's happening on a, on a much larger scale than just Voice of the Martyrs. So there's a lot of resources going in there. We heard about uh, 12 months ago that there is that the regime that's there is on its knees. Now, we see what's happening with the economic uh, sanctions that have been put in place there. We see, we get little snippets of what's going on uh, from the media. But it doesn't surprise me that the regime is that that they're in such distress at the moment and people are voicing their opinions in spite of the fact that they will be dealt with harshly when they do. People are becoming bolder and they're leaning on their faith, which in this case Christianity, to be able to be bold and to reach out there and to share what they feel and share what God's doing for them. So we've seen such a resurgence of Christianity in Iran today. Uh, we just can't get enough resources in there fast enough. 
Uh, the resources, let's talk about those for a moment, Tony, because when you've got conversion rates to Christianity at the sort of pace we're talking about here, uh, talking about a church being the fastest growing in the world, and I imagine there's ways you can make an assessment about that sort of per capita and those sorts of things, but what you've got people converting to Christian faith, and just like it happens anywhere, when someone is a new convert, they become a baby Christian. It's not like you're getting converts to faith and all of a sudden you've got a maturity uh, in Christian faith. So these sorts of resources, they're just like gold, aren't they? Uh, you can't do without them. The more you can get in there, the, the stronger the church can begin to grow. And these things, of course, happen over generations. But let's talk about those resources and a whole bunch of baby Christians that need to be discipled. Exactly. Just the reason why many of the Iranian Christians have decided to get and uh, get a Christian education in terms of discipleship, in terms of getting to know God's word more and going back in, is that these, they're saying that they do not want what happened in Iraq to happen in Iran. Okay? So they're trying to shield themselves from the chaos that happened after the war in Iraq. So the resources that they're requesting are, firstly, they're asking for Bibles, and they're asking for more Christian teaching so that they can equip these baby Christians in their faith. So a lot of the work that we're doing at the moment is surrounding getting Bibles in there and discipleship training for new Christians so that they can be equipped in their faith as they have to deal with what's going on in Iran at the moment. And let's talk, and uh, there might be some secrets uh, you could let us in on. Uh, they wouldn't be secret anymore if we do talk about these, but I know you've got some creative ways that you do get Bibles to people in nations, and uh, I imagine that you have to smuggle Bibles into Iran to get those sorts of resources there. Uh, there's all sorts of creative ways you use, and we might get to some of those sorts of things when we talk about North Korea, but, but really, uh, is there sort of some standard processes that you use to get Bibles and resources into uh, the hands of Iranians? Well, we would do that through the guys that come out and visit other countries, we would make Bibles available to them, and they would take a personal Bible or two or three Bibles in with them. And often they're not searched or they're not checked. By and large, they're not, being Iranians. Um, we have other ways of getting quantity in there, which I can't say too much about. And, and there's also a number of electronic ways in forms of EPUB files, which you can download onto the electronic device. Micro SD cards and SD cards. So there are a number of ways that we can get God's word in there. Um, people are always fearful of being caught with a Bible in countries like Iran. So um, having it on an electronic device makes it a lot more concealable and a lot safer for them. And uh, many of the younger folk are more than happy to have it in that format. But we find the older folk like to have a physical Bible to hold on to and to be able to mark down in a page or, you know, read, read through again or, or, you know, sort of highlight something. So there are a number of ways that we can make this happen for sure.
Tanya, let's draw a little bit of attention to the work that's going on in North Korea, uh, another nation where a lot of information about the coronavirus is not really coming out and uh, people doubt the integrity of what they might be hearing of official reports that come from dictatorial regimes. Uh, but uh, any any thoughts? Have you heard any of your intelligence for those on the ground, either in or around North Korea, so far as the challenging time of the coronavirus? We've got very limited information out there on that. Um, although the borders have been closed and the North Koreans are saying they don't have any cases, there were unconfirmed reports of uh, two cases that they did have where people were just marched out and shot. Uh, and as far as they were concerned, that got rid of their coronavirus cases. So we are not getting much information out as to the, the state of the coronavirus there. Because being, a, being the situation as it is there, for anybody to speak out and get found out that they're speaking against the regime, that's certain death for them. So we, you know, we're not surprised that there's limited information coming back from there. Okay. Well, there won't be many with cold or flu symptoms putting their hand up to say, maybe I've got coronavirus, uh, if you're under fear of being marched out and shot. Uh, so uh, if that's the way the North Koreans are dealing with it, that's a pretty tough uh, situation there, isn't it? Uh, of course, there's lots of things we can talk about, North Korea, and, uh, you know, still top of the list when it comes to those nations around the world that persecute Christians. And uh, to be a Christian in North Korea is a very, very substantially uh, significant, uh, dreadful thing, uh, so far as the regime goes, as far as we understand, between 50 and 70,000 Christians in concentration camps in North Korea. So uh, they're really tough. There's a crackdown on the gospel there because the gospel's about the only thing that really uh, can really can bring down a regime like that. Uh, just uh, before we talk about some of the creative ways that you get the gospel behind the borders of North Korea, uh, it is so significant here. The gospel's so powerful that the regime really wants to crack down on it. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. They see that as the biggest threat that they have. And you have to remember that in the 1950s, uh, Pyongyang used to be called the Jerusalem of the East. So the regime has been that brutal that they've wiped just about every form of Christianity out within North Korea, including Pyongyang. So this is how severe it's been, and the, the, the fear among people of speaking out, whether they're believers or not, is, uh, is quite strong. So, yeah, they, you know, it's a very unique situation there. But, but in saying that, more and more people are coming to Christ, and we monitor and manage this as we get people escape from North Korea into South Korea. We have the opportunity to interview these um, these escapees, and we can confirm that most of them get our literature in North Korea in the manner that we distribute it. Let's talk about the gospel and resources for North Koreans. Uh, simply being found in possession of a Bible uh, could mean life or death uh, for you. But uh, there are people who are allowed out of North Korea assuming borders are not closed with the coronavirus right now. But when people are allowed out, uh, oftentimes they come into contact with uh, those disciples, uh, with Voice of the Martyrs, and you've got a fairly intensive 
regime of being able to prepare people to take the Christian message behind the borders in North Korea. Uh, whatever you can share, what are your thoughts around that, uh, uh, Tony? Well, contrary to popular belief, North Koreans can um, work in Russia and they can work in China. Okay, so they travel back and forth on a daily basis within those two countries. So many of them in Russia work in the logging yards, which is very, very tough because it's up, it's very, very cold. And in China, they can cross the border quite freely where they collect things like nuts and they collect um, sort of plant, plants and, and, and so on. And they can venture into the cities and towns around the, the, the Chinese North Korean border. So there's ministry activity happening on the Chinese side of it where these people are exposed to it. But anybody that's deemed as an escapee that doesn't go back, the Chinese have got this sometimes we do, sometimes we don't, when it suits them, capture these people and send them back into North Korea. So many of the people living in South Korea today that have escaped North Korea have made more than one attempt to get from North Korea and sort of start out, start out in China, and many of them come to South Korea via Myanmar. So it seems very roundabout, but these are the desperate measures for desperate times that a lot of them use to get out of North Korea. So the gospel has an opportunity to be shared with, with all, within all those surrounding countries, including Russia, where it can get shared with the North Koreans who travel back and forth into North Korea. So they can, like most people, they would purchase things in China and take it back into North Korea. So, and once again, contrary to popular belief, you can actually ring someone, in, ring someone from outside of North Korea. You can ring them in North Korea. But everything's monitored. The government monitors these things. You can even get money to your family from outside North Korea into North Korea. They have these agents that charge you a 30% um, sort of fee to manage your money. And that's what a lot of um, North Korean defectors do to help their families back in North Korea when they, when they get to South Korea. They save up at, at you know, quite strongly they, they, they vehemently save and try and send money back into North Korea to help their families who are, who are left behind. I wonder whether you've got any reflection briefly on the effect of the gospel on North Korean people who are living in such harsh conditions under an impressive regime that uh, the treasure that they have when they have some resources uh, or indeed a Bible in their possession, the difference that it makes in the life of someone uh, living in the day-to-day challenges of a, a dreadful regime. What are your thoughts here? Let me put it into perspective for you. Many of the North Koreans that defect into South Korea, that go through our underground university discipleship training, many of them choose to go back to North Korea, and many of them are never, ever seen again because of the insistence of sharing the gospel with their fellow North Koreans. That tells you how they revere the Word of God in a place like North Korea and the length they would go to to ensure that the gospel is shared with many of their villages and within many of the towns there. So the gospel is so important to them. And when you meet many of these people, they are absolutely committed, absolutely committed to their faith. I wonder what your thoughts might be about uh, about whether uh, turbulent times help or hinder. Uh, what are your thoughts quickly? 
Well, that's a very interesting question. And I can say from our experience, and that pertains to 68 different countries around the world where Christian persecution is prevalent, that in every single case, the more pressure that's put on the church, the faster the church grows. And if you look at the largest country that faces persecution at this point in time, which is China, that's exactly the case there too. The church is growing at a phenomenal rate. And that scares the regime there. And that is because they put more pressure on the church than they've ever done before. People cannot even have a Christian burial now in China. But that's not stopping people from being saved, baptized, and receiving Christ. Uh, now, it's all very well to be an armchair spectator as to what might be happening if you see major developments, say the growth of the church in Iran or uh, what we've seen over 30 years with the growth of the church in China. Uh, but there is a certain sense in which the church doesn't always grow on its own. It needs people who are outside and understand the dynamic of what happens in church growth to help facilitate that happening. When, and that's when you've got organizations like yours, Voice of the Martyrs, fabulous organization. But uh, you're actually always, uh, you know, looking for new friends, new partners, new supporters to help the initiatives that you've got happening so that there can be discipleship and there can be Bibles and there can be resources behind the borders in some of these nations. Uh, it, it, takes the, it takes the effort from the outside to help fuel uh, the growth there, doesn't it, Tony? It certainly does, Neil. It certainly does. And for us, we have to be very mindful that the resources that we provide is a lifeblood for those that are behind the the lines in countries like China and Iran and in others. Uh, Tony, let's talk about China for a few moments because uh, they've got their own issues, of course. Uh, that's where the coronavirus uh, began to uh, disseminate around the world. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on China, the work that you're doing in China, and, uh, of course, uh, issues around the coronavirus there? Look, the needs in China continue to grow. We're continually being asked by our partners in China for more resources because they cannot keep up with the number of Christians that are and, and, and new converts that are asking to receive these resources like Bibles, like training programs in discipleship, and so on and so on. But one of the great testimonies that we just got recently in a hot spot of this coronavirus what was in and around the uh, Beijing and those areas, where, where our contacts say to us, you know, we are a team of more than a half a million, and no one, no one of our team was affected by the coronavirus. And they give God the praise and the glory for that. And that is such a great testimony, and that's a testimony that we've got out of a number of countries now where people have just, they've been committing themselves to prayer and trusting in God and trusting in God's Word. And this is a testimony for us here. I mean, it's absolutely crazy. People are running around fighting with each other to get a resource that's freely available. Yet, in those countries, people know where the help comes from. And it can only come from Christ. And that's what they're resorting to. And God is giving them the protection that they need from the scourge of the coronavirus. And, of course, uh, it's difficult to actually test that sort of testimony, but I know that 
something in listeners today will leap when you hear of a testimony like that. We're half a million strong. I imagine we're talking about an underground church outfit in China where a half a million strong uh, underground church movement uh, hasn't had a single case of coronavirus, even though coronavirus has been very prevalent throughout the nation. That is a substantial testimony. That was that just warmed my heart. Believe me, when I you know when I say that to you, and when you look at Christians in these persecuted countries, when the pressure is on, they know what to do better than you and I. Panic and fear—they not words that resonate with people like this. They go straight to God's word and they commit themselves to prayer, and they see the results, and they can testify to us and share with us of how good God's God has been to them. So we see their faith in its purest form being tested in the most extreme situations, and they're seeing God shine through for them. Wow. Panic and fear, uh, those things that we are seeing here on Australian shores, uh, we're not under the same sort of pressure as those who are in China or indeed in North Korea or indeed in Iran. But as you say, uh, when you take Christian faith in pure form, people take God's word at its uh, at its root, uh, fear not. Uh, people taking that on board and they're seeing that that actually has a miraculous, empowering effect. And, uh, and that's very substantial. That's very, very true. And you know what we find happening in Iran at the moment, which we've spoken about a few times now, is happening in many other Muslim-dominated countries where Christians are oppressed. I've just returned back from Egypt recently. The same thing is happening there. We, are, we have got ministries, whole ministries of Muslim background believers that are growing exponentially, and they are crying out for more resources and more help. And the ministry is growing and expanding at an alarming rate. One of the such ministries we started a year ago, it started with a pastor and his wife. Four or five months later, there were 800 of them. By the end of last year, it was 3,000 of them. And it, so it continues to grow exponentially. So we've seen people's disillusionment with Islam at such a level at the moment, and they see where their help is coming from. And they're finding the answers in their Christian faith now. And they are committed to sharing that faith with somebody else. Exponential growth, and as you describe that, very, very significant. Come back to some of the creative ways, uh, some of the ways that you've had to resort to getting the resources uh, behind the borders of various nations uh, where there is a really oppressive regime. It's difficult to get a hold of Bibles, difficult to get a hold of resources. And uh, I remember hearing uh, some time ago about uh, some of the creative means that you have and that Australians are supporting, say, in the nation of North Korea, where you use weather balloons uh, to drop Bibles across the borders. Uh, take us into some insights here and how that works, Tony. Yes, we do. We, um, we have field launches and we have sea launches of these weather balloons. And um, the balloon technology and the GPS technology that we use is all Australian developed, developed in Melbourne, actually. And what that technology allows us to do is we attach a designated amount of um, gospels to the weather balloon 
and, you know, the technology of working out how high, how far, how many Bibles, all these sort of things has to go into it. And the GPS technology is actually from Harvard. These weather balloons get sent up, and we can track to within one kilometer where those balloons will land. And in some of the cases, the regime picks up that there's a weather balloon about to land and drop all these Gospels and Bibles for them, and they cordon the area off, and they get the soldiers to cordon the areas off. And the soldiers obviously warn the locals not to take any of the material that's been there. Well, lo and behold, what's been happening is the soldiers have been keeping the material and reading it. So (laughs) God has quite a unique way of getting the word out there. But this has been one of the most successful means of us getting the gospel into North Korea. We also use things like MP3 players, MP4 players, SD cards, and, and of course people hand carry God's word in there. So there are a number of ways that we're using at the moment, but I think the weather balloons is definitely the most unique. Okay, and you mentioned the Underground University. Uh, This is an impressive uh, program that you've got set up. It's a system you have that is working and functional. And you take your new converts or people who have some leadership potential they have come out of North Korea for whatever reason, whether they're on business or on ways that they are able to have some level of leave, and uh, and you take them through a process whereby they can uh, become a foundation member of uh, of an underground church behind the borders. Uh, how does all of that work? Well, what we do is we actually teach them um, God's Word and a discipleship program in their own North Korean dialect, Okay. So many of them are interested and keen, they want to learn more, and they want to take that back with them. Some of them choose to stay in South Korea and just form their own groups within the defectors' um, circles that are there, but many of them actually take their learning back into North Korea. So whether we have these underground universities in China, in Russia, or in South Korea, um, they get taught, they get discipled, they get schooled, they get skilled, and they take that learning back into North Korea and share it and help to spread the gospel within North Korea. And does that happen in some of these other nations we're talking about as well, like uh, Iran, where you're working with people outside of the borders uh, in order to send them back in? Because you can't always have a, you know, a predetermined a schedule, plan, curriculum, class that uh, that trains up peoples, but but in the nations that surround these closed nations, you certainly can. Yes, yes, we can. And let me say from the outset that those who go back are ones that choose to go back. There's never a request or a demand from us for that. They choose to go back because they feel that's what they've been called to, and they feel the importance of the. Uh, fellow believers in the restricted nation uh, needing to hear what they have to share regarding the gospel. So people do it willingly. Uh, the sad part for us is that after all of the training and all of the input and getting to know them very well and getting to know their heart, many of them we never ever see again. Some are either killed, some are uh, imprisoned, and, and some just choose to remain there and remain underground and just keep sharing the gospel and influencing others. 
there's a criticism that some people might have, Tony, and I'll get your thoughts here. Uh, the idea that if you send Bibles behind the border of a nation like North Korea and uh, people pick up those Bibles and then are caught with one, you're actually putting their lives at risk. I wonder how you deal with that, because uh, because some people will say, uh, you know, and and I might say I don't agree, but uh, because I think that the Bible in people's hands is another way of bringing real life and real change, and uh, and the significance of that is so much more powerful than even life itself. But when you've got that sort of criticism that comes and says you're sending Bibles, but uh, you're actually putting people at risk when they receive one of those. Well, I would I would answer that by saying we also have many Christians in the West who have never brought anyone to Christ. And why are we here as Christians? We're here to do the Great Commission. So if you're not doing the Great Commission, then what are you actually doing? You know, and when you look at the commitment that comes from believers from behind these restricted or from within these restricted nations, they believe that they have been saved for a purpose and for a reason, as we should, and it's to share the gospel and to share God's word. So they have a hunger to learn God's word. And if that comes in the form of a physical Bible or if it comes in a form... Are you with us, Tony? Word. Yes, I'm here. Oh, sorry, they you, you dropped out just briefly. But uh, yes, so let me ask you about how people can be involved right now with the sort of work that you're doing. I mean, I know there'll be a lot of listeners who are absolutely inspired by the idea of balloon drops of Bibles behind the borders uh, in North Korea and and the underground universities training up, discipling those believers to take into uh, these nations uh, the opportunity to give a grounding and bring some maturity to a baby Christian church uh, that is growing exponentially. You have a campaign called the Bibles Plus Campaign, uh, it's a way that people who are in their armchair here and thinking, I want to do a little bit more, they can get involved. How does the Bibles Plus campaign work? The Bibles Plus campaign works that whatever funds are received through this campaign, we distribute to between five and six countries every year. And that that includes a Bible, of course, and then any other necessary resource. Some In some cases, it's blankets. In some cases, it's a food resource or uh, a personal need, and, and we help them accordingly. So that helps us get God's Word out in mass through this campaign that we have. And it's not just about supporting the campaign. It's also about praying for those that are persecuted in these countries. That is the easiest possible thing we can do. The next best thing we can do for the price of a cup of coffee, we can provide a family Bible. And... You know, changing somebody's life is such an amazing thing to be able to do, and that doing it from your armchair. I don't think there's an easier way to support the work that we do. And there's a number of nations, uh, other than the ones we've been talking today, we've been talking about Iran, we've been talking about North Korea, and briefly about China. Uh, Other nations, too, that you're supporting regularly, you said there's about a half a dozen nations, talking India, things getting pretty tough 
for Christians in India with a Hindu regime that is uh, that is really uh, uh, pressing their their power status. Uh, other places like Pakistan. Uh, these are the sorts of nations that people are helping when they support the Bibles Plus campaign. Yes, places like Egypt also, where I've just been to a place called Armenia, which is the the heartland of the Muslim Brotherhood and ISIS. The church operates in total isolation there, no resources. So we are aiming at providing them with Bible resources and other resources uh, through our campaign this year. And it is a, a confronting thing to think that Christians in nations where there is intense persecution have no access to resources, and the need for resources is... Uh, is very significant, and uh, for listeners who are uh, are Im- impressed to hear some of the things that we're hearing today, you might want to be a supporter of the campaigns uh, running from Voice of the Martyrs, a wonderful organisation that supports the persecuted church around the world. Uh, so what's your encouragement here, uh, Tony? Uh, the support of the Bible's campaign that you've got going, Voice of the Martyrs, uh, what would you like to see people connecting with Voice of the Martyrs over the times ahead? I would love people to be able to support the work and the initiatives that we have got um, going at the moment because many of us are not able to actually go there and physically be there to help. But through these initiatives, you can make a difference. You can impact the lives of those who most need it. And you can pray for those who are facing these difficulties because of their faith. And I implore you to do so. And the way you can keep up to date, become informed and become a partner in helping to make some of these uh, wonderful campaigns a real success is by going to the website of Voice of the Martyrs. It's simple to remember. Voice of the Martyrs is vom.com.au, vom.com.au. Tony Benjamin is the CEO of Voice of the Martyrs. Tony, great insights. Thanks so much for your update today on 2020. Thank you for having me, Neil. It's been an absolute pleasure, and I thank you, and God bless. Since this interview was recorded, we have received confirmation that the coronavirus has reached Pyongyang and Sunuju. Voice of the Martyrs Korea recently received a letter from a North Korean insider's borders who received one of our MP4 players containing the audio Bible. In the midst of the coronavirus, he was greatly comforted by the Word of God. The letter included the following quote, I receive hope of living as I am praying. The virus situation in Pyongyang and Sunuju is more serious than at the border areas. I think we will all die from starvation or being infected. Both are deadly and cause despair, but after knowing him, my fear has vanished. We truly thank you again. During the season of quarantines and uncertainty, the coronavirus is providing opportunities for advancing the gospel. Some of the countries most affected by the pandemic so far are also countries where believers face persecution every single day. In an Islamic country heavily affected by the coronavirus, Christians are handing out masks and offering help for those forced to stay in their homes under quarantine. When asked why they are helping, they have a great opportunity to share about Jesus' love and how he helps them overcome fear. Christians in parts of China affected by the coronavirus have felt more freedom to boldly witness for Christ because China's oppressive 
facial recognition cameras are less likely to identify them when they are wearing masks. As you assess the risk of coronavirus and make decisions for your own family, we ask you to pray specifically and fervently for our persecuted brothers and sisters in Christ in those persecuted countries. Christians in hostile nations may live far from us. As believers, we know that we are one with them and part of the body of Christ. As such, we can't ignore their suffering. If the Holy Spirit is impressing you to know more and support the work of Voice of the Martyrs, please visit our website at vom.com.au. All donations of $2 and more are tax deductible in Australia. This has been a production of Vom Oz Radio, Voice for the Persecuted.